That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Good day, good friends. Welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. So good to have you with us. Well, in this last week of July, it's not just the humidity that's filling the air in our nation's capital. It's anticipation. Yeah, anticipation that the other shoe will soon drop. The other shoe being a new set of charges against former President Donald Trump by the Justice Department for his role in the insurrection of January 6th. Although special counsel Jack Smith has already informed Trump by letter that he's the target of this DOJ investigation, we don't yet know the exact charges he may face. But you know what? We have a good idea. Thanks to a detailed memo written by a team of former prosecutors and legal experts and published on the website Just Security just days before Smith's letter to Trump. In their memo, this group of noted attorneys outlines a potential three-pronged case against Donald Trump, which sounds a lot like what we soon heard from Smith himself. So how strong is that case? And what could or should Donald Trump be charged with? Joining us today is attorney Norm Eisen, who wears a lot of hats, including he's one of the authors of the Just Security Model Prosecution Memo. He's a senior fellow at the Brookings Institute. He's a legal analyst for CNN, and he's a former special counsel for the House Judiciary Committee in its first impeachment trial of Donald Trump. Norm Eisen, welcome to the Bill Press Pod, my friend. It's an honor to have you join us today. Great to be back with you, Bill. So let me ask you first, uh, we've seen the letter Jack Smith sent to Donald Trump. After that, is there any doubt in your mind that Donald Trump will face criminal charges based on his role in the January 6th insurrection? Bill, there was no doubt on my mind even before he got the target letter. In fact, with a very distinguished bipartisan group of former prosecutors and uh, defense lawyers, I wrote a model prosecution memo the week beforehand saying Donald Mm -hmm. Trump is going to get a target letter and be prosecuted. But once he was told by Jack Smith that uh, he uh, was a putative defendant, uh, any question was erased. Donald Trump is going to face at least three felony charges for his attempted overthrow of the 2020 election result, as he should. Mm-hmm. He commit an attempted coup in America with impunity. So you and your team uh, together, Norm, uh, published again on Just Security, laid out a basically a three-act play, right, the case against Donald Trump. Um, Please walk us through uh, each of those. Let's start with uh, Act One. How serious is is this, and what do you think Donald Trump should be charged with under the first act? 
Yeah, in the model prosecution memo, which, by the way, is far longer than a real model prosecution memo <laughs> of the time that uh, prosecutors do. They don't have the luxury, as we did, to to analyze everything over 250 pages. But in the model prosecution memo, we set forth three acts, each of which corresponds to a, an alleged Trump crime and an alleged Trump defense and we explain uh, we we explain what each of those acts are. Act one uh, is Trump's furious effort to overturn the 2020 election by pressuring um, state officials not to recognize Biden, by pressuring his own Department of Justice to um, attack the election outcome and by getting state electors driven from the Oval Office to come up with fake electoral certificates. These are phony, fraudulent, counterfeit documents that Trump, his lawyer John Eastman, the Republican National Committee uh, instigated all over the country. And Act One began, Bill, before the election. Over the summer, Trump started planting the seed that unless he won, the election would be a fraud. And it ended when on January 2nd, Brad Raffensperger slammed the door on saying, no, our state is not going to overturn the election. DOJ spurned Trump. The big lie failed. All Trump had left were these phony certificates. And then, um, then he decided he was going to use them. And that that is what raises the curtain on Act Two. And before we get to Act Two, did he know that he lost, that he had actually lost the election? Yes. Uh huh. And that's that's important, isn't it? He's we we've seen uh, thanks to the January Sixth Committee, one of the most invaluable investigative exercises in the history of the Congress, indeed in the history of the country. I think it'll go down. Um, with the 9-11 committee, the Watergate investigation as um, the Truman committee that uh, looked into uh, uh, waste uh, and inefficiency and corruption in World War II uh, go down as one of the greatest, probably the greatest congressional investigation ever. And one of the things that made it so great was that they uncovered witness after witness where Trump said things like, can you believe I lost the election to that uh, uh, dummy Biden? I'm paraphrasing slightly. But but statement after statement like that, and they put the witnesses out there. And Bill, as you would expect for those kinds of confessions, um, those were all Republican witnesses, mostly Trump's own yeah. officials that he right. made admissions to. So um, that was a very, very powerful body of evidence. And Trump was also told over and over again he was lost. He commissioned outside experts who looked at it and told him he lost the election. There's no question that he both was told he was lost, he knew he lost, and he admitted he lost. So, um, you know, his it is one of his main defenses, I thought I won. Uh, but that mm -hmm. that won't work both because he admitted he lost, but also because, you know, you're not allowed to take the law into your own hands, no matter what you believe. Right. OK, so let's move on to Act Two now.
This is after the election, correct? Uh, yes. Act two is after the election. And this is really the curtain rises on, on Act two. Remember, end of Act one, everything Trump has tried all over the country and overturning, getting pressuring state officials and governors and secretaries, pressuring his own DOJ, getting these phony electoral certificates. He has those in his hand. And starting after the door is slammed on January 2nd, beginning on January 3rd, and running through the morning of January 6th, he intensifies another scheme that had been working to pressure Mike Pence when he goes to the January 6th meeting of Congress to say that Trump is the winner by using these phony electoral certificates even though Trump knew he was not the winner, or to at least say, uh, we're not going to recognize a winner, throw Congress into chaos, and use Pence's power as the presiding officer for the January 6th meeting. And there's this extraordinary series of conversations by Trump with Pence, by Trump's lawyer, John, his main outside coup lawyer, John Eastman, with Pence's lawyer, Greg Jacob, uh, Mark Short is involved, Pence's chief of staff. The pressure campaign uh, peaks on Mike Pence in this three-day period mm -hmm. of trying to get him to break the law. I mean, he's only supposed to be, he's a ministerial figure. He's a figurehead. He's just there to bring down the gavel, basically, on January 6th, but to try to get him instead to overturn or at least um, stall the peaceful transfer of power. Never happened. What they were asking Pence to do never happened before in American history. And Act Two ends uh, when Pence tells uh, Trump that he's not going to do it on January 6th. And then we get to the, the, the most violent part of things, but I won't jump ahead to Act Three. I, do, I just, uh, one more question on Act Two. This implies or includes, right, that Donald Trump himself played an active role in attempting to get Mike Pence to defy the Constitution and, in effect, overturn the election. This was a plan from the Oval Office bill. I, I'm, I'm trying to find the words. Donald Trump was the mastermind of the scheme. And yeah. you have a tremendous amount of proof. Some of the most powerful involves the testimony. Again, all the most damning testimony comes from Trump allies. Yeah. Ronna Romney McDaniel testified. Donald Trump called her on the fake elector scheme from the Oval Office. Mm -hmm. It pressured her to get involved. And she did get involved on behalf of the RNC. And Trump handed the phone to John Eastman. And they organized the fake electors. And then she reported back to Trump. And she sent him a spreadsheet of the conspiracy. <laughs> I mean, it's truly amazing. So the word I'm looking for is Trump was the mastermind of the fake elector scheme. Got it. All right. Now we get to January 6th itself and Act 3, as you say, the most violent of the three acts. And again, Donald Trump's personal role in so doing. Donald Trump on the morning of January 6th learns that Pence is not going to do what he wants. And he uh, has a confrontation with Pence. He uses the P word, 
word that I won't use mm -hmm. here, even though it's not podcast that he calls Pence. He doesn't say you're a <laughs> podcaster. And Trump is enraged. And then you see um, the fruits of that in uh, the, the language, the violent language where Trump goes off script on the ellipse. But I think for legal reasons, you see that in the 224 tweet where Donald Trump, after the violence has begun, and I'll tell you why I focus on this in Act 3. Of course, you have the ellipse speech. I refer to that as the insurrection tailgate. But uh -huh. Trump's legal culpability really comes with the, he has an affirmative legal duty to get those insurrectionists out of the Capitol. He knows that he's got violent people going to the Capitol because again, January 6th committee, his secret service says for the speech, sir, many of these people are armed. Trump says, take down the magnetometers, the metal detectors. They don't want to hurt me. Well, he knows who they want to hurt, okay? But right. the easier legal case is he whips him into a frenzy. He wants to march with him. He points him at the Capitol. Then when the insurrection begins, he admitted, by the way, on the CNN town hall that he had the power to get him to leave. For 187 minutes, he doesn't tell them to leave. That is a derogation. He doesn't send in the National Guard that's a derogation of his duty, Bill. He has an affirmative constitutional and legal duty. He breaks his legal duty. He's legally culpable. We'll get to the causes of action. He's legally culpable. And the other thing he does is he sicks the mob on Pence. Mm -hmm. Affirmatively, he actually tells them to stay there. He has one tweet where he says, be peaceful. He doesn't tell them to leave. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. tell them. He has a 224 tweet where he, he, he blames Mike Pence. He knows Pence is in danger. That tweet was read on megaphones to the crowd. So that 224 tweet, that 187 minutes, that is, and the insurrection tailgate, the speech he gives on the ellipse, that's act three, that's the pivot to violence. And uh, as with all three of these acts, there's a corresponding legal claim that the special counsel is gonna bring. And there's a, legal defense that's not going to work but that's act three the violence right, right. so were, were you surprised when um a week later jack smith sends his letter to donald trump uh, <laughs> saying you're the target and what of course he was not he didn't detail his specific charges but from the tone of his letter and the content of his letter his letter you guys could have almost written his letter norm were you surprised that it it was almost a carbon copy of your memo? Well, I was I was not surprised because it's a funny thing about the law. And uh, you, you and I were talking about this before we went on the air, but I'm going to give you a shout out because I remember, you know, Bill Press was a very important part of my political and policy education, watching you on TV and listening <laughs> well, to you on you. TV when I was coming up. Uh, as the Los Angelino bill. And there's a kind of one of the things that we enjoyed uh, in my family uh, watching you on Channel 7 on KABC was um, the common sense of what you had to say. And there's just a common sense to policy. And law is just one, you know, Law is just one room in this uh, uh, mm -hmm. this one dimension of this policy discourse 
that we do. So anybody who takes a look at the facts and the law here <laughs> yeah. is going to come to similar conclusions, commonsensical conclusions, Bill. I give myself a, uh, a five out of six because definitely Smith is tracking the three chapters. We know that. And, definite, and we know that because of the three legal violations that he's included in the target letter. And two of those legal violations, we got in depth. The third legal violation um, we talked about, we advocated a slightly different angle, but it's the same complex of behavior. So I give myself, uh, I give myself a five a five out of six. And I can tell you if you like what the, what the violations are uh, in the um, in the Jack Smith target letter and how they line up. Now we've done the facts, how they line up with the legal analysis of these three acts. Well, so, by the way, thank you for the shout out about Channel 7. <laughs> I'm glad to have been uh, in your uh, in your home so many so many times. That was a that was that was my first job in uh, in television. And uh, it was great to be uh, have that two and a half minutes on the five o'clock news to give my opinion on the news of the day. But so, Norm, this is hardly Donald Trump's first legal rodeo. He's facing several charges on several fronts and maybe more shoes to drop. Would you have to say these charges related to January 6th are by far, is it fair to say, by far the most serious charges he will face? The big four, the 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 uh, legal horsemen and women of the Trumpian apocalypse, um, <laughs> all of them are serious. Uh, they're certainly among the most serious. Even, and I'll tell you why. The penalties are potentially similar uh, in the Mar-a-Lago document case, but the 2016 election interference that Alvin Bragg has charged, where Trump mm -hmm. falsified documents to cover up the hush money payments to avoid losing the 2016 election with a sex scandal coming on top of Access Hollywood. That was the gateway drug for the 2020 election interference. The documents case is, is another kind of interference with the law, is an interference with the government's right to hold its classified documents and then interfering with the government's investigation of the yeah. misconduct. So that's a very important rule of law interference. And then you have the Fannie Willis and the Jack Smith 2020 election interference, the attempted coup cases. Probably, I would say that the federal case, because it, it, the, those two cases, the attempted coup cases are the most serious because they're the most comprehensive. They go to the heart of our democracy. And, you know, the federal is probably the most sweeping. Fani's case will very likely be big, but it will be Georgia focused, as it should be. She's in Atlanta. So right. I guess you've persuaded me that this is, even though the penalties may be similar in three out of the four others, the brag penalties are going to be lesser, still serious. Yeah, the Jack Smith democracy case is probably the, the most sweeping, the most comprehensive, the most consequential. I mean, it goes to the heart of our democracy. So yes, it's the most serious. And what are the possible consequences for Donald Trump if convicted? Well, um, he has uh, very uh, substantial... Um, potential jail time. There is an asterisk that if Trump is 
And, and this may be why the, the state charges are the most profound. If Trump or another Republican is elected, they could pardon or self-pardon or just instruct the Department of Justice to drop the case. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, there is, an, there is an asterisk on the sentences. With that asterisk, the penalties are, are pretty bad. You have 18 U.S.C. 371, a maximum of five years. That's for the conspiracy to defraud the United States a maximum of 20 years for 18 U.S.C. 1512. That's the uh, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding and a maximum of 10 years for 18 U.S.C. 241. And those are the three the three crimes in the target letter that correspond to the three acts I laid out. Okay. Uh, Norm, then there are all these questions about timing, about who else might be uh, might be named. Um, and I want to get to that with you after we take a quick break here, if we can, if you just hold on. Quick break here on today's uh, Bill Press Pod. And today I want to send a special shout out to my brothers and sisters with SAG AFTRA, who have now joined the Writers Guild in their strike against the big studios in Hollywood. That strike continues. We stand in solidarity with them. Hey, after all, Look at all the money that Barbie made over the weekend. The studios are making lots of money. They can afford to make a good deal with the actors and the writers and the extras and the producers and the camera people and all the other important team behind every one of those movies that just don't get the recognition or the benefits or the salary that they should get to produce such great products. So SAG-AFTRA, the Writers Guild, Solidarity, Victory is on the way. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back with today's podcast. Our guest today, Norm Eisen, you know him uh, from CNN, legal analyst for CNN, senior fellow at the Brookings Brookings Institute. Uh, He was a special counsel on the uh, House Judiciary Committee's first impeachment trial for Donald Trump. And, of course, is uh, one of the authors of this model prosecution memo that outlined 
uh, the possible case against Donald Trump, which looks like will become soon the actual case against Donald Trump. Norm, again, thanks for joining us. As a presidential candidate, is Donald Trump uh, exempt from being brought into trial? Uh, can he be elected uh, as a convicted felon? Could he serve if he's as convicted as president if he's convicted as a felon? He is not exempted from prosecution as a candidate. And two trials have already been set during the uh, pendency of his candidacy. Should he be successful, once he takes office, he will make constitutional arguments. And on federal cases, uh, DOJ has taken the position that a um, sitting president cannot be prosecuted. So if he's elected, maybe if another Republican is elected, uh, we have reason to believe that the federal prosecutions will not continue. That's why the state prosecutions are so important, Bill. Mm -hmm. However, on the state prosecutions, he'll also argue constitutionally the role of a president is such that um, he should not be subject to uh, prosecution. I think he'll lose that. I think he'll lose the self-pardon argument, but he doesn't have to pardon himself if he's uh, reelected, God help us all. He can just order DOJ to stop the mm -hmm. case, and uh, that's perfectly within his powers, and no court is going to overturn that. On the timing... Uh, do you think any of these cases, state or federal, will be decided before the 2024 election? Yes, I believe two cases will be decided before the 2024 election. I, I won't say which two cases it is. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, of course. <laughs> I won't say which two cases it is. And here's why. I think the Bragg case, the New York case, is going to go for sure in March of 2024. Mm-hmm. If the Mar-a-Lago documents case, which is currently set for May, slips, I think that um, Jack Smith is going to have a parallel tracks. He's going to have his January 6th case moving and ready to slot that in if the other one doesn't stay on track. So, yeah. you know, there's been a lot of criticism of Judge Cannon. I've been a, a leading critic of her handling of the search warrant and its aftermath. She froze the criminal investigation. She appointed a special master that was totally against the law. And I said so. I filed briefs. I wrote about it. And a very conservative 11th Circuit panel struck her down twice. Yeah. But, you know, maybe she's learned her lesson. Maybe she doesn't want to be the the subject of disdain for the rest of her career, and she's going to do things the right way. She should be able to bring this case to trial in a year, even if there's a little bit of slippage. Mm -hmm. um, she should be able to, it's not in May, it could be in June or July, get it, get it tried before the political season starts in uh, September of 2024 in earnest. I should say the final lap. Um, you know, she's very intentionally set it for May, I think, because the Republican National Convention is in July. And Republicans have a right to know if their nominee is a convicted <laughs> felon. 
Right. At that point, he might be a twice convicted felon, depending what happens in the Bragg case. So um, I think, uh, yes, we will have two trials before uh, before November 2024. So in the documents case, um, there was one other person named in addition to uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and do you expect in this January 6th case uh, by Jack Smith that anybody else might be mentioned? And if so, whom? John Eastman or Kenneth Chesbro? They were both very much a part of the fake elector scheme and the pressure on Donald, on Mike Pence. Uh, any any indication that the, they'll be named as well? They should be named. There's certainly plenty of evidence. Uh, however, one of the things in the model prosecution memo that we counseled Jack Smith is he can wait to prosecute others, but he should focus on Trump now to streamline the case. So I won't be surprised if there is a case against Trump and there are unindicted co-conspirators, but Meadows, Chesbro, Giuliani, Eastman, all were referred by the January 6th committee, and in my view, all with good reason. Right. Uh, and I'm going to ask you a very quick final question. Would any of this has happened without the work of the January 6th committee? No. The um, January 6th committee spurred DOJ reportedly the testimony of Cassidy Hutchison, which is one of the pivotal moments in this investigation and will be remembered as long as uh, they're writing histories of the era. It'll be her picture. She's the John Dean mm -hmm. of uh, what John Dean was to Watergate. She is to um, the January 6th investigation. That reportedly was what triggered DOJ to go into um, full speed mode. We really owe a debt of gratitude to Chairman Benny Thompson, Vice Chair Liz Cheney, um, and all of those on both sides of the aisle, uh, Jamie Raskin, Adam Schiff, Adam Kinzinger, and all of the others who did such a brilliant job uh, on their investigation. and. Uh, we're very shortly going to get the most tangible fruits of it, an indictment by Jack Smith and another one by Fonnie Willis for the attempted coup that the January 6th committee did so much to uncover the details of. And we owe a great debt of gratitude to you, uh, Norm Eisen, for your leadership on this issue and all your writing and all your, all your explanation of it and for joining us today on the Bill Press Pod. We'll wait for that other shoe to drop. We'll continue to follow this and... Norm, hopefully we can talk again soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bill. And that's it for today's podcast with Norm Eisen's doing great work following this trial. And you watch uh, Jack Smith's uh, uh, when the indictment finally comes, it's going to reflect very, very much what Norm Eisen was talking about today. And we'll be following that, of course, closely with all of you. Uh, now, have a good week, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us today. We'll be back on Friday with our Reporters Roundtable looking at another busy week in the nation's capital and tracking the news of the week with three top political reporters. Again, have a good week. Come back and see us on Friday for the next edition of the Bill Press Pod. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.